0: Hi, Zilchers. Melinda Gildart here. And on behalf of myself and the entire Zilch staff, we would like to know the passing of a true musical legend. The world
1: lost one of the brightest musical talents who will ever grace a stage, a recording studio, or the
0: big screen. Prince Rogers Nelson was a true musical talent, with his music touching fans all over the world across all genres, race, age, and gender. Uh, sorry, sorry. No, no. Okay. We dedicate this episode of Zilch to Prince and all of his fans around the world. Thank you, Prince, for the amazing gift that you left this world.
2: What number is this, Jim? Episode 54. The Monkeys vs. The Smoothies, an interview with Smoothie Derek Lewis, the Dance Monkey Dance Commentary, John Hughes lets us know a new Monkey single is coming on Friday, and more. Okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. Zilch. Zilch. Zilch.
0: You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast.
2: Welcome to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. Welcome to a very dance centric episode of Zilch. Today we have the Monkeys Color Cast Commentary for the Monkeys episode. Which one are we doing? Dance Monkey Dance. Dance Monkeys Dance. And it wouldn't be complete doing a show about Dance Monkeys Dance episode without one of the dancing smoothies.
1: Mm hmm. Doing a really cool interview, which you guys are going to hear later today, with Derek Lewis, one of the dancing smoothies from the episode Dance, Monkeys, Dance. I hesitate to pick my favorite interviews because I've had some great guests on, but this is really a standout, and I think you guys are going to like it because we don't just talk about his appearance on the Monkeys. We sort of talk about his role throughout 60s TV history, which is just a fascinating story.
2: The Monkeys versus the Smoothies. Let's see who'll come out on top. <laughs> there we go. It's going to be an exciting summer. The Monkeys on tour. The box set is coming. The new album, Good Times, where our Good Times start and end, is with the Monkeys on record and CD. A brand new Monkeys album in 2016. This is amazing. And we have some monkey news to discuss. It's been an exciting week this week. John Hughes dropped some information. Uh, Let everybody know on the Zilch Facebook page and on Twitter that Friday, this coming Friday, April 29th, She Makes Me Laugh, the new single by the monkeys. Are you excited?
1: I am so thrilled. I mean, it's been 20 years since we've had... Any new monkeys music and 30 years since we've had a single i am fair fairly sure and I just it's 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 the year of the monkeys. It's amazing times that we live in I know all of us, especially those of us like me who are not only fans of the monkeys, but fans of a lot of the folks who have contributed to the songwriting on this album, like Andy Partridge, Rivers Cuomo, you know, Noel Gallagher. We're, we're just getting really excited about what this thing is going to sound like. And mm-hmm. uh, Friday we get our first sneak peek.
2: And, you know, the cover art's kind of fun. There's a <laughs> picture of a suit and a picture of a dress. And someone on the Facebook page... Diana Waldrop Burns mentioned that does anyone else see the cover as the girl in yellow dress as in it's too easy humming songs to a girl in yellow dress so
1: I did as soon as it was mentioned I would love to say I had caught that sooner but, <laughs>
2: but there's
1: just so many fun little like subtle in jokes and references on the album cover I know there's been kind of some talk back in and, and forth people definitely have different opinions about the cover it kind of took me a little while of looking at it to really like it. You uh-huh. uh, really kind of embrace it. But I think it's really going to fit. And I see how they're going to use kind of different takes on that art and all of the stuff that looks like related to this album.
2: Yeah. As a matter of fact, Neil Del Pardo asked John Hughes if there were any plans for a promo video to go with any of the new singles. And John Hughes said, yes, sir. Surprises abound. <laughs> That's pretty cool.
1: Well then, wouldn't that be something? (laughs)
2: Wouldn't that be something? So it's exciting and, uh, you know, the, the new single comes out Friday as we record this and we are going to do an episode Saturday where we record and discuss our thoughts on the new monkey single. It's so cool to be able to say that in 2016. Our new Never Heard monkey single in 2016. Gosh, that sounds good. Wouldn't that be something?
1: That's amazing, and it will be something.
2: And we will have that episode up Monday, and you're going to get a lot of zilch this month. So as we look forward to the box set, the album and everything, and everyone survived record store days, and hopefully you got some goodies, whether it was at the record stores or through the online stores.
1: Yep, I was finally able to get my hands on a uh, LP box set, so hopefully I'll have it in the not too distant future, and I'll probably do an unboxing for
2: the Facebook group. Very cool. But before we get on to the rest of our show, let's dive into the Monkey's mailbag. Ready, Sarah? Always. All right, here we go. P.O. Box
3: 9847.
2: All right, here we are. Sarah, would you please read this very cool bit of feedback we received?
1: Okay, this review is titled Thank You by Rockstar210. Five-star rating. Thanks, as always, for those five stars. Rockstar says... I have been a fan of the Monkees for almost five years. I was introduced to them when I saw them on Antenna TV. When I heard of Davy's death in 2012, I was shocked and realized that I needed to see and know all about the group before another band member passed away. My friend from work got me started on listening to podcasts. I decided to go out on a whim and type in the Monkees in the search bar, and there you guys popped up. I tried the first episode and was hooked. I listened to Every episode, even the ones I thought that I wouldn't like, but it turns out I liked them I always get excited listening to a new episode and it helps boost my work ethic at my job And (laughs) makes me want to listen to the monkeys even more I don't know what I would do without this podcast I would not have known of the 50th anniversary festivities and new releases I love listening to the color cast commentary and hearing the bloopers and sound effects. Where do you get those? Mm. Hmm. Thank you so much for putting so much time and effort into this podcast and keep on monkeying around. Wow. I think that's the second review we've gotten where apparently we have a good impact on work productivity.
2: Well, actually I think it's the third, the Uh, third. Okay. Wasn't it symphony? Cindy. Cindy, Cindy, Cindy Large, first one way back in, in the early days of this podcast, she said that we increased her work productivity by twenty five percent, and we kind of look at zilch as a product. You know, zilch increases work productivity by twenty five percent. There we go, zilch.
1: We need like some some sixties commercial music in for that or something. Yeah, we we absolutely do. Okay, we'll be
2: working on that. There we go. One of the cool things about podcasting is you get to bump into other podcasts and other podcasters. This is very true. But one of the cool things about hearing new podcasts and and meeting other podcasters is you never know what you're going to find out there. And and we believe in podcasting here, right, Sarah? Absolutely. It's a great form of free entertainment. You know, in some ways it's like radio of the days of old or, you know, a talk show about whatever you like. And this one happens to be about Mickey, Mike, Peter, and Davey, the monkeys, and and the world that surrounds them and Mm -hmm. fans and everything. But we've, we've had some cool shout outs. One from Tim Powers over at Deep Dish Radio. Oh, cool. And, and he's had some really cool interviews. As a matter of fact, he interviewed Ian Lee over there. He's interviewed Bobby Hart. I really encourage folks to check out Deep Dish Radio with Tim Powers. I eventually plan to hook up with him and you'll be hearing me on his show at some point. So that'll be cool. Oh, that's awesome. And something really neat happened today. I was on Facebook and there was this podcast about the plan of the apes actually it was just a graphic about the plan of the apes and i'm like oh what's this and it said something on there and the monkeys and i'm like okay now you've got me intrigued two of my uh-huh. favorite things from the 60s plan of the apes and the monkeys and they have a simian connection if you will of course it turns out that there's two gentlemen richard Wolowski, mark Ogusiewicz, and they do a show called talking ape tv oh wow their website is retrozap.com and they mention Zilch Woohoo! On podcast. And it turns out that they both listen to this show now.
1: Oh great.
2: It's very cool and he was talking about how he found out something that he had never known about the Planet of the Apes by listening to Zilch. Wow. And it turned out it's one of the voice actors is Mr. Babbitt. Oh
1: my goodness.
2: So the worlds collide.
1: Yes, they and at do. some
2: point our worlds will collide. We, we we hope to have Richard on the show, but we'd like to send a shout out from one set of monkeys to another set of apes. We we are glad that you're listening, and I'm now listening to you. So
1: wow, I'm going to have to check them out
2: myself. This is really cool. Well, they basically go through the mon- the, the monkeys, the plan of the apes, as opposed to plan of the monkeys right it's planet of the apes they go through each movie and then they do the commentary tracks of each movie and the tv show the animated series and possibly eventually the comic book so they're doing what craig and jeff are doing over at the tricorder transmission with star trek the original series right we're doing here with the monkeys television show so mm-hmm. it's very cool very very cool speaking of the monkeys television show it's not too late to put your order in for The Monkeys*, the complete series on Blu-ray. Check this out. Here it comes. The Monkeys*, the complete series is coming to Blu-ray. All 58 episodes, carefully remastered from the original 35mm prints, in high definition for the very first time. 10 jam-packed discs that also include the movie Head. The 1969 TV special, 33 and a third revolutions per monkey. Plus, an exclusive bonus disc full of surprises. Pre-order now at monkeys.com. This set is not available anywhere else and is strictly limited to 10,000 individually numbered copies. The Monkeys, the complete series on Blu-ray. Only at monkeys.com.
0: zilch fans this is melanie mitchell be sure to check out my book monkey magic a book about a tv show about a band it's a light-hearted review and companion for the TV show that made the 60s fun, the paperback is available online from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And the ebook can be bought anywhere that fine ebooks are sold. Check out the Monkey Magic Facebook page. Follow me on Tumblr at bluemoonalto.tumblr.com. And listen for my contributions here on Zilch, a monkey's podcast.
2: And we want to encourage folks to check out Melanie Mitchell's very cool book. Watch the show. Read along with the book. It's very cool. That's our own Melanie Mitchell. Mm -hmm. We'll hear her later in our commentary track for Dance, Monkeys, Dance. But before that, we have a really cool interview. Sarah, would you like to tell us about it?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I had the chance uh, earlier this week to sit down and talk with Derek Lewis. I was able to call him up at his home in California, and we talked about his life, not just his time as a dancing smoothie on the episode Dance Monkey Dance, but his whole career in Hollywood. Uh, He was involved in a lot of well-known shows of the 60s. Uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea is probably his most, uh, most significant part from that era, but he also popped up in My Three Sons, He also popped up in My Three Sons, The Twilight Zone, and uh, a lot of other things as well. And it's interesting to just hear his career. He talks a fair bit about shooting the episode itself, shooting the romp for I'm a Believer. We get to hear some stories about Jim Frawley. It was just a really fun conversation. And I have to tell you, he is every bit as smooth in real life as he was on The Monkees.
2: Very good. Well, Sarah, here's your interview with Derek Lewis, A Real Smoothie. Take it away. Today
3: on
1: the Zilch Hotline, we have Derek Lewis joining us. We best know Derek Lewis as the lead dancing smoothie, suavely hilarious minion to scheming dance school owner Reynaldo in the first season episode, Dance Monkey Dance. However, Derek's more than that one small part. Derek's story is the story of a lot of lesser-known character actors from the first decades of TV, and his story, in some ways, is also the story of Hollywood in the 1960s. I'd like to welcome a talented man who is just as smooth and charming as he was on his role for the Monkees, Derek Lewis. Welcome to Zilch.
4: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. So glad to be here.
1: We're grateful to have you here. So... As I was looking over your IMDb page, I noticed that your career really spanned um almost even from the late 50s throughout the entire 60s. How did you first get into acting?
4: I developed an interest in uh in being a puppeteer. Oh. And yeah, and I uh, created a puppet theater and w- would write the scripts for plays, little shows, you know, that right. that uh, i would I would perform at recess and everything and I think the uh, the writing and the acting and the voices of of those puppets started me into uh the field of acting see and enjoying that and of course uh, I was a big movie fan I would go to the movies all the time as a kid. And then by the time I got into junior high school and actually was able to get on a stage, and then I knew that that was my my life. Out of uh, the high school uh, experiences, uh, on a summer whim, I got into a Shakespeare repertory company. uh, They would do summer stock, and they would do Shakespeare plays, plus they would do comedies and uh, dramas. So I... uh, I was able to make my equity, and equity is the professional uh, actors union, mm-hmm, or stage, yeah. act, stage actors union. And then, when I, the same year I graduated from high school, which was in '59, I went right into Hollywood, right into films, because I had already had an, an agent uh, as a kid. You know, I, I was interviewed by um, agents, and, and uh, so I was able to sign with an agency. And the thing I might add about the era, we're talking about that era uh, of the 60s, is that um, it was the era of the juvenile delinquent in motion pictures. Yes. There were, uh, if you look back, you know, there was Rebel Without a Cause was the big movie in, of the late 50s. And and people like James Dean and Sal Minio and all these kind of, uh, you know, that kind of juvenile delinquent themes were appearing in uh, in movies. If you look at some of my early PR pictures from that era, with the dark hair and the dark eyes, and you know, mm-hmm. I was a spitting image of Salminio. Mm. Now, that worked in my favor in that Salminio was a movie star. TV in those days was the lesser of the two, yeah. <laughs> you know? And but I was fine. I was fine. I, I, it was put me in front of a camera, and I was happy. So. I was hired many times because I looked like Sal Mino. <laughs> and I could play that juvenile delinquent or the friend the the blonde lead had a darker friend. Right. Or something like that. <laughs> a lot of that was timing and, and we hate to use the word typecasting, but it was true. You know
1: mm-hmm, the, If the shoe like fits, that.
4: yeah. Yeah, you fit. If you fit, you fit.
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: So anyway, that's that's kind of what started me in the business.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And
4: uh once you're in the business and the ball is rolling, you do everything you can to keep it rolling.
1: Wonderful. And you played several guest star parts in the early 60s, kind of before that color transition on
3: mm-hmm. shows Indeed. like
1: Loretta Young show, Route 66, uh, My Three Sons. One of the things that stood out to me was your 1963 appearance on The Twilight Zone yes, as yes, a no. helmsman in the fourth season episode, The 30 Fathom Grave. How right, did you right, get right. that part, and what was it like working on such an iconic show?
4: Well, uh, it, it was a very interesting uh, uh, experience. The uh, 30 Fathom Grave episode was one of the hour-long right. episodes. They, tr- you Because know, most of The Twilight Zones are half-hour shows, you know. But for one season, they decided to to try an hour long season. I had been doing leads, like you said, like Loretta Young Show was my first, and I had I had a I had a lead on it, you know. Now nobody in those days turned down appearance on the Twilight Zone. So right? I you know, I don't care if I was just walking across the deck or something. You know, I would have worked on that show. But fortunately. Um, it was it just it just came to me. It was filmed at MGM. I think they filmed those. shows was at MGM. The way people actors in those days got their roles, it, w- it was all pretty cut and dry. In those days, you we were all day players. What they called day players,
3: mm-hmm.
4: an hour show maybe took five six days to shoot or something like that. In those days, it was I was very very pleased to actually professionally work. At every major studio in uh, Hollywood, except, strangely enough, for Disney.
3: Huh.
4: And uh, th- the thing I think people forget a lot of times is that we were day players, and and these were all this was all work for uh-huh. us. It was just we got a job. In other words, you got a job. It didn't become iconic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> these shows weren't iconic until many, many years later looking back and, and you say, oh, my God, I work in the golden age of television.
1: Right, because you never you know, know what the, the golden, golden age is. is. Yeah.
4: And we were in it, though. That, we were in it. So, uh, uh, and, of course, now now is when everything is hitting the fan because all those iconic shows are celebrating their fifth, uh, 50th year mm-hmm. anniversary. Yeah. And, um and so everything was new again, and we we're, are we're all being contacted about our reminiscences of those days, Yeah. Uh, especially for my work on Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, uh, because they actually have conventions, and they have, uh, you know...
1: Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, because I guess you just must have really looked the part of a submarine officer, because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because not long after being on the Twilight Zone, you were cast in that recurring role on on there, and and I talked sure. around a little online and I heard that there's some mm-hmm. there's an interesting story about how you actually wound up getting cast on the show, and
4: it was, there was yep. a lot of
1: luck involved. So why don't you? Well, talk? that's
4: it. Of course, yeah. there's always a lot of luck. You know, timing and luck. You got to be ready. Mm-hmm. You know. So uh, and in those days, we were all. We, gosh, we, we we were never out of class We I mean, we're mm-hmm. all going to class and as luck would have it I had an agent at the time and in the office was a sub agent and she was <laughs> she was married to the casting director at 20th Century Fox ah so we had an in in other words
3: mm-hmm. so when
4: something came up and it was just a, a fluke they needed somebody for um, to play the the helmsman uh, on the sub they sent me over there and uh, I got a quick interview and they sent me to wardrobe to get into a crewman's outfit I went to wardrobe and, and nothing fit <laughs> so I can, you know it just and I said oh well put him in the, this try this on it's an officer's uniform and I tried on the officer's uniform and it fit like a glove
3: <laughs>
4: so we started filming and I filmed the pilot as uh, in that Outfit as an officer, so I was established as an officer Uh on the series from that pilot. And then when the actor who was supposed to play the uh, character of uh, Lieutenant O'Brien decided not to continue in the series when it sold, you know, they came to me. Right. And they said, well, you know, you're already established. You're going to be Lieutenant O'Brien. So for that whole first year... Um, I got a chance to work on that show, which was uh, really a delight. And uh, we're still doing conventions, and we're still getting together, and we're still answering tons of fan mail. And uh, the only other uh, series like that that uh, uh, seems to have a really, really huge fan club is The Monkees.
1: Well, yes. Because, of course, the next logical step in your career is to move from submarine officer to head instructor at a dancing school. i mean it's just obvious <laughs> and
4: yeah.
1: and yeah, and we all know kind of the famous stories of how the four leads were cast, but what was it like to just get cast on on sort of a smaller day role on the monkeys
4: right well, uh, as I said, those were the days where it was all set up really, really um the same way, first of all, you had to have an agent right right everybody had to have a professional agent. the agent got the call, you went to see the casting director, you read for the part you either got it or you didn't it was clean it was you know but like I said you know in those days i was I was getting a lot of uh, uh-huh. parts you know so that's all that was i they sent me it was I think it was Columbia Studios. I'm pretty sure. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Columbia. yeah. And um, I saw the casting director who I probably had auditioned for before. You mm-hmm. see, So that always works in your favor, too, if you're familiar to the cut. And, and then he didn't give you the job, a job the first time he saw you, but now he's going to give you this one, you know. So I got that role. So there's, there, there wasn't anything, you know, there was, that was just a, a usual kind of uh, interview type of uh, uh, job mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and I got it and it was so much it was, a lot, it was awesome. a lot of fun
1: well and you got to be in one of the episodes that was directed by uh, Jim Frawley the man who mm-hmm. really created the style of the tv show and won an Emmy exactly. and just bec- went on to became this this really significant film and tv director in his own rights uh, do you have any particular special memories of working with Jim Frawley
4: uh, I do uh and also I might add that he lives not far from me here in Palm Springs California.
1: oh, wonderful uh, well, tell uh, him we love him
4: well i 'll try <laughs> he didn 't respond- he did not respond to my last emails so and we 'll see whats and i don't know he i don't he 's probably um over, over eighty now i would think I think so but, i
1: think he 's still in pretty good shape though i understand But that. i hope
4: I hope so because he was also a, a good actor mm-hmm. um, and uh but I'll tell you the, the thing I lo- loved about working on, on the monkeys and that particular show was that, that uh, first of all everybody was having a, a, really good time. There were a lot of laughs. There were yeah. a lot of laughs. You know, and sometimes you wondered how they're going to get everything done. But Frawley was was uh, uh, enjo- enjoying his work as a director, and he had a great rapport with the boys. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, for me, that show was sort of like West Side Story, where there were the jets and the sharks.
3: Well,
1: you yeah. know. There were, the,
4: there were the monkeys and there were the smoothies.
1: Exactly. <laughs> That's a good metaphor.
4: <laughs> On the set that day. And, uh, and the one thing that st- sticks out in my mind about the shoot was that um, they were beginning to use these handheld or shoulder-held cameras.
1: Wow.
4: They were actually putting the uh, camera on their shoulder and following you around, you know, and, and just would follow in and out and, and move move around. There was the scene where Mickey goes to the writer's room. Yes. And he breaks uh, he breaks that fourth dimension and he walks through the sound stage.
1: Yep,
4: and the camera's following him all the <laughs> And alone. the cameras are following him, you know. i got to tell you. This dancing school thing has really turned into a drag. A stone drag. How long can we keep
3: this
5: up? Wait! What? What
3: What is it? A brilliant idea. Well? That's what we need. A brilliant idea.
5: Well, where are we going to get that?
3: I've got it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Got to talk to the writers. Hi,
0: fellas listen uh we need an idea for the show you know gotta be something fast and groovy and hip and everything you know can you do it
3: <laughs> uh, yeah
2: that's good thanks fellas Bye.
5: Man, this is terrible.
4: Those guys are really overpaid. How they kept it smooth about bumping it, but it, it was part of the style, you know? Right. And, and that created that kind of free, freestyle. And that was another thing about the Monkees. They were also introducing the songs, you know? And I'm a Believer was the, the was the one I believe was introduced on that show.
1: That was, it, was I'm, it a,
4: was. I'm a Believer. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and what was it like? the process of filming uh one of those i, I guess and you know we call them music videos now but we called them romps back in the day what was that yes. like
4: yes well again the, uh, you watch that scene where we uh, uh they had they taken our clothes <laughs> we <Yes>. were <laughs> i think long we, we were in long johns or something and you know and they he blocked us, and and but then the cameras were going all the way all around us in mm-hmm. different you know directions. But the real magic was later when they edited,
3: Right. And they edit
4: that stuff, and they click, it, it clicks back and forth to whatever they want to focus on. You know, I do remember that it was so unique that these cameras uh, were sneaky. Were so sneaky you didn't you didn't really know where they were. You know, at, at times. Right. You had to just do. You had to just do what you were doing, you know. And uh, uh, and then a lot of it was improvised. Yeah. In that you'll see the guys doing uh, hand things and mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, this wasn't rehearsed that much, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, and, were they like yelling out directions to you about mm, like mm, jump up and down or anything like that, or did you guys just kind of?
4: Well, just general. We had general directions, but. The interaction between the smoothies and uh, and the monkeys, we improvised that oh, because wow. uh, they they were really uh, on top of their game. You know, it was all about their personalities, and of course, they we let them lead
3: mm-hmm. with what
4: they wanted to do, and we just followed along. You know, I mean, it's it was it was great uh, it was great fun because as actors, you do learn to improvise, but you don't often get a chance. To do a lot of that, I remember uh, uh, meeting Hal March, who was at that time. But he was he was well known. Right, Um, he had been uh, on the air quite a bit, and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he he was fun. I didn't stick around Hollywood very much after that. What was that? That was nineteen.
2: That
3: was
4: sixty six. Oh yeah, yeah. So. I did a couple more years in Hollywood, and then I took this long break because I was exhausted. I had done 10 years or more in Hollywood, and uh, I wanted to get out and see the world, and and my music allowed me to do that. But I went back to Hollywood in the middle uh, 80s, and I started working again, and I did uh, two main uh, soaps. One was uh, called Santa Barbara. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, you remember that? Okay, it didn't well, last very long. Well, I, but... I
1: remember my mom watching it.
4: Oh, God, you make me feel so old. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we have many well, generations in the monkeys community. What can I say? That's
4: true, that's true. And listen, uh, there's nothing like looking at the TV screen now and seeing yourself 50 years ago yeah. and, and uh, rel- reliving your youth because that happens a lot. Uh, for actors, which is a mm-hmm. lot of fun, actually. Yeah. I was also on The Young and the Restless uh, oh, for wow. a while. I did uh, a, a, re- a good lead on a court show called Superior Court, and um, even a, a an appearance on The Jeffersons, which should be in the IMDb. I, I will I'm, I'm it will be I'm not sure, sure it
1: was. Of course, I've been discovering no. that IMDb is, like you said, not totally accurate. In fact, I, we've. No,
4: it's not. Yeah. You kind of have to juggle their, their memory and, and send things in once in a while.
1: Yeah, there's actually um, an urban legend or two that Melanie's going to be clearing up when she gets to the uh, episode commentary. But uh, yeah, so. I
4: see. But you yeah, there are a lot of a lot, a lot of appearances up here. Like I was on the Danny Kaye show, and I was on uh, Dupont Show of the Week, which was a big uh, show. But again, these were shot for for TV and not. Right. Um, accredited credited as a, IMDb, but that's okay. You know, I mean, no. I'm really happy I was a part of uh, that era, and as a matter of fact, uh, the I'm going to thank the monkeys somewhere. I believe in the, in the volume of the monkeys' collection of uh, DVDs. You mm-hmm. know, when they, re- when they released them, uh, when they're talking about the smoothies uh, and and my part in there. Uh, there is an asterisk, and it goes down into a to a footnote.
3: Okay. Right?
4: Now the footnote makes a mention of, m- of me being playing Lieutenant O'Brien on boards to the bottom of the sea. Oh, neat. As a as a tie-in, so I I, I decided that that was a sign, and I should uh, title my memoir footnote. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it
4: because. That's how I really look at my Hollywood career, which was a lot of fun. I met a lot of very interesting people. And I did some iconic shows, you know, and um, worked with some really, really great actors. And uh, uh, it was a wonderful time. But I was was a footnote. I was a footnote in Hollywood. But I guess that's better than not being anything at all. Well
1: you're a fascinating footnote and i'm uh, a thank you for sharing some of these stories and i understand that uh, these days you are more of a musician um
4: you, yeah i'm i'm a i'm a uh, singer singer pianist
1: mm-hmm. and
4: I, I i did that all through the hollywood years uh, to keep food on the table as well
1: yeah always a nice and, touch and
4: uh, then i did the cruise ship industry for 10 oh, years oh wow over the world. i got this uh, this job at uh, it's called the Tropicale. It's
3: mm-hmm.
4: the finest restaurant in Palm Springs. And I only work there a couple nights a week, but it's all I, I need. And it's just wonderful. I sing and play um, a great American songbook, jazz, uh, that things. Yeah. And it's very, very old mid-century Palm Springs style. And it fits, fits here.
1: Wonderful, Annie. wonderful. So where can people learn more about
4: you? Well, right now uh, I am on Facebook. You know, I, uh, I, uh, if somebody will introduce themselves, because my life in that sense is still a public thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I I do still perform. I still appear on stage, and I still uh, like to keep active. Right. Even though uh, I'm going to be seventy-five years old in June.
1: Well. Congratulations, and I wouldn't have guessed it from this lovely conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing how the time goes by.
4: Listen, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, thank you so much for sharing your story and for dropping by Zilch, and good luck to you playing your Saturday night gigs at the Tropicale, and uh, thanks for coming in.
4: My pleasure, doing Thank you so much.
2: Well, that was a very cool interview, and you know... He is still smooth. He's got it all together, and he's very personal, very charming, and just a fantastic outlook on life.
1: Yeah, it was wonderful. I think you mentioned he was 75 in the interview, and you would not know it. And I loved his take on things because he talked a little bit towards the end about kind of being a footnote in television history, but I think he's just a fascinating footnote. And by kind of hearing his stories, you learn so much about uh, Hollywood and just the life in the, in the 60s and learning about all of the wonderful shows that he was part of.
2: Agreed. Well, he survived the 60s, The Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, and The Monkees. I wonder if, the, if he ever got his clothes back from The Monkees, you know.
1: I should have asked that. <laughs> Darn. Well, he said he might uh, take part in the Facebook group conversation on this episode, so maybe somebody can
2: ask him. Oh, that'd be fantastic. The Monkees debuted a new song on NBC television during the episode Dance Monkey Dance, and that was... I'm a Believer. I'm a Believer. Folks all over the world were probably hearing that for the first time on NBC, and here's a version of the guys doing it live. Check it out.
4: Come right in. Come right in, gentlemen. (laughs) Gentlemen, this is Mr. Jones, our prize teacher. Been with us for years. Uh. Well, I leave you in his capable hands. Or should I say, feet.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no! You coolly he might come back. I've got to teach you guys to dance. Uh, now listen, gentlemen, this is one of the newer dances. Um, it goes something like this. A one, a two, a three, a four. A one, a two, a three, a four. Again. that's the way it seemed, this morning I haunted all my dreams, then I saw her face, unbeliever, not her trash.
2: Always great to hear the monkeys live. They always entertain, and we look forward to the monkeys doing it live this year. It's going to be fantastic seeing the monkeys live. Get them, see them while you can. It's going to be great. And you know what else is going to be great, Sarah? What else? We're going to do the monkeys color cast commentary for the episode Dance Monkeys Dance. Would you like to press the big button on the big zilch remote?
1: Always.
2: All right. Here you go. There's not too many buttons on it. This um, is pretty easy to work. You've, you've got this.
1: Okay. Ka-ching!
2: Click. Hey, wait a minute, guys. You know what? It's seven thirty-six thirty 30 Central time. It's time for the monkeys. I wonder if anybody around here has got a television set. Hi, friends. Ralph Williams one of the world's largest.
0: An island of peace
4: on my stormy little planet of guts. Holy cliffhangers, Batman. The monkeys. Brought to you by...
3: Kellogg.
4: K E L L O Double Good. Kellogg's
6: best to you. Tonight's Monkey's Color Cast commentary is brought to you by Reynaldo's Dance a Go Want to learn to swing on the scene? Come to Reynaldo's Dance a Go, where our friendly instructors will sign you up for a lifetime contract. And you can dance until you're 80. See you there hello and welcome back to the monkeys color cast commentary and on this episode we are going to be talking about the episode dance monkey dance and as always i am joined by jeff hewlett
5: hold on my bat phone's ringing
6: (laughs) okay i'm back hi everybody and Monkey Magic author, Melanie Mitchell.
0: The answer is Martin Van Buren.
6: <laughs> great. So guys, it's always great to sit down and chat with you.
5: Hey, wait a minute, Craig. Don't we have some outstanding business from our last ColorCast commentary on One Man Shy?
0: Oh yeah, we definitely do. Um, there's a couple of questions that were left over at the end of that episode. Um, the first one was... How many maracas can Davy hold at one time?
5: (laughs) Didn't we take a bet on that, Melanie? (laughs) I I think four. I'm saying four.
0: Well, in one hand or two?
5: Two hands. Two hands. Two in each hand.
0: Uh Uh-uh. Four in each hand.
5: Whoa! Get out of here.
0: In the performance of Papa Jean's Blues, uh, which is seen first in Don't Look a Gift Horse in the Mouth, but was also seen in Monkeys in a Ghost Town in The Audition uh davy is holding four maracas in each hand
5: no come on really
0: yes really i'm gonna have to go
5: back and look at that he's so tiny how can he possibly hold that many
0: he's got big hands i guess wow uh,
5: what does that say about (laughs) davy oh let's not get political okay Um, okay (laughs) (laughs) oh nice
0: (laughs) melinda Giltart was the one who spotted that thank you melinda Mm -hmm. oh thanks melinda uh second question was about uh When Mike got the title of the song wrong
4: at the beginning of the party,
0: uh, the question was raised how much time had passed since the song was first recorded Hmm. before the episode was filmed. And it was a little more than two months. Okay. Uh, The song was recorded in late July. Um, so that is, I suppose, enough time for Mike to misremember what the title of the song was. Fair enough.
5: Fair enough. I mean, you know, to be honest, Melanie. I mean, if you, if you look back and you look at the, the material they released, plus all the unreleased material that they were recording while they were making the shows, I think that's excusable.
0: Yeah, although it is his song. I mean, he wrote Ah, it. I know. (laughs) Even so. It's Papa
5: Nez. Come on.
0: Yeah, and they got it wrong in the closing credits as well. Well, there you the closing go. Credits, it also says you may just be the one. All right, okay. So those were two of the questions that were raised, but the third question is your vote for most valuable monkey.
5: Yeah, remember I let it I let it go to the audience because I couldn't make up my own mind about who was the MVM.
0: No. So we did put it up to the audience, mm-hmm. and while the audience was voting on their own most valuable monkeys, they were also voting on yours. Yes. And the stipulation that we put was that they had to choose from just the three people you had narrowed it down to, right? which were Mickey, Mike, and Davey, mm-hmm. and also they had to use your criteria, which oh. had to do with which one of them was the most helpful and uh, the most the best friend wow. in that situation. Wow. And the voting was overwhelming for Mickey. Fantastic. So we are going to record your vote for One Man Shy for Mickey. Congratulations, Jeff. Thank you. You're- well,
5: thank you to the zilchers for coming to my back for this one. I really appreciate you guys all casting your votes. And, and I'm very glad to be able to defer to the most awesome podcast audience of all time.
0: So that's all I have for One Man Shy. So I guess now we can get on to Dance Monkey Dance.
6: Yeah, awesome, Craig. And this episode is kind of an important episode because we're going to be able to uh, debunk a monkey's myth. And Melanie, do you want to talk about that?
0: Oh, it is time for me to throw myself on my sword because I put this myth in my book twice. (laughs) And I am so embarrassed to have learned since the book was published that it was not true. And that is the very popular story that... Mike Nesmith's mother appears in this episode. She does not. That lovely tall woman in the dark blue dress that Mike dances with is not Betty Nesmith Graham. No matter what you may have heard or read in my book, Mike Nesmith himself debunked this myth last year in his Facebook account when somebody sent him a picture and said, your mother was a lovely woman, and he said, that's not my mother! (laughs) He didn't say it quite that way, but...
5: (laughs) was all caps
6: <laughs> yes so hey um, we're all uh, we, we all make mistakes on occasion and one of the amazing things about uh, the monkeys is there's so much history around them and um, you know this show existed in a time prior to um, collective sharing like the internet so um, it, until we heard it directly from Mike there was really no way to clarify or validate or uh, discredit um her her appearance. So, uh, yeah. yes, we I can... Want, yeah. I
0: want everybody to take out their bottle of liquid paper, <laughs> turn to page 45 of Monkey Magic, and white out the name Betty Nesmith Graham because she does not appear in this episode.
6: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, once again, the episode is Dance, Monkey Dance. It aired on December 12, 1966, directed by James Frawley and written by Bernie Orenstein. And... Um, Melanie, there's another interesting thing about this episode, at least, um, or at least a question we have, and that is uh, our guest stars. One of the guest stars is Karen James, who, uh, from every indication, only has one credit, and it is this episode.
0: Yeah, that was weird. She plays Miss Buntwell, and I think she does an absolutely marvelous job in this episode, but there are no other credits for her on IMDb. So it's hard to believe this is the only acting she ever did. Maybe she was primarily a stage actress.
6: Yeah, maybe. So hopefully uh, when this episode hits, um, there might be somebody out there that has a little bit more information about uh, Miss Karen James. Um, Also in this episode, we have Hal March. Do you want to talk about him a little bit?
0: Uh, Hal March, uh, most famous for being the host of the television game show, The $64,000 Question. Um, after the um, game show scandals of the late 1950s, $64,000 question went off the air. And he did some uh, mostly guest shots on sitcoms like this one since then. Um, passed away in 1970 at the very young age of 49.
6: Yeah, yeah. And the amazing thing about the $64,000 question, in, in 1955 dollars, that's got to be uh, an, an, an amazing sum of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
5: It's probably like $2.6 today. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, there's my question for next time.
6: Yes, yes, which, which kind of makes game shows today look a little uh, tame in comparison in terms of what they give away. Uh, all right, so you guys ready to jump into the episode?
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
6: All right, and we'll start our color cast commentary in three, two, one.
5: So, do you guys think this red phone under that uh, that cake topper is a reference to '60s Batman?
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
5: No yeah. It question. definitely seems like a bat phone to me.
0: It's not the first time they've done something weird with that phone. I remember in uh, I think it was Monkey versus Machine, it was under a chessboard.
5: Oh yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> and did you notice there's like a little blue, like a weird blue. Um, uh, what's the what's the a shape with six sides on it? Is that a hexagon? Hexagon. Is that those eight? OK, there's a sign behind Peter that's that's six sided and has like a stein painted on it that caught my eye. And I was wondering what what that was. It's in the kitchen. It's, it's off, yeah. off screen now, but you can see it right at the beginning of the episode.
0: Oh, well, I missed it, unfortunately.
5: Yeah. And well, there's
0: a question for next time, too.
5: And you notice the uh, <laughs> that she's she's cold calling Peter uh-huh. or the monkeys from a phone book. And to me, it doesn't look like the phone book is open far enough to be in the M's for the monkeys or the T's for Torque.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) maybe the phone is under Dolan's.
5: (laughs) Oh, good call. Good call. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Who did the monkeys list their phone number under? Oh, yeah. Uh, And, you know, here's something else you don't see on television much anymore. Smoking indoors. Yes. Yeah. That's been outlawed here in Jersey for many years.
0: Oh, they were still smoking in my office when I started working at a bank in 1984.
5: And I love that you can but, see a no smoking sign behind Peter. Yeah. When it shifts back to Peter and you can see her yeah. smoking. To-
0: <laughs> the length of her cigarette varies from shot to shot as well, but that can't be helped when you're doing multiple takes. Right. You can't quite get it all coordinated. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, Van Heflin and, and Van Johnson are both actors. Um I got pictures of them <laughs> just to see who they were. Van Haflin was much earlier, but uh Van Johnson started filming back in the World War II era.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He appeared on Batman a couple of times I think. Van Johnson did. As the minstrel.
5: So here's it while Move, we're moving watching Moving Van, I don't know. <laughs> okay moving van. So while we're watching the opening credits, here's a philosophical question I came up with about this episode while I was thinking about it. Would this episode have been completely different if a different monkey answered that phone call? Hmm. Well, because Peter, Peter's the you know, the, the, the dopey one, right? And he gets duped into going to this 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 dance school to sign up. But if, if maybe Davey had picked up the phone or Mike had picked up the phone, do you think they could have duped the other guys into signing up for the dance well, dance classes?
0: Mike and Mickey both end up getting swindled too. What I love about it is that in this episode, Davy is the problem solver. Exactly. Davy's the one who says, I think it's time for somebody to take charge here and actually do something smart instead of something stupid. Hmm. But,
5: uh,
3: I love but the, yeah, it's
0: obvious to have Peter fall for the swindle.
5: Of course. I love the it's custom a, sign hanging in the background.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and this of course is our same ballroom set that we've seen in almost every other episode. The, Pea green walls and the fluted pilasters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
5: It's a popular color back then.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love Miss Buntwell. She is just so funny, and her comic timing is so good.
5: And you know, the, this the whole signing a contract on someone else's back was a very popular comedic mechanic back then. I don't, I haven't seen that <laughs> in a modern show, in I don't know how long. But all these '60s shows, even cartoons, yeah. that was a big thing. Signing a, a piece of paper on someone's back.
0: Well, I think it adds a little sex appeal with, you know, doing it on Miss Bunwell's back.
5: Mm. Yeah, with the tiger oh, she's noises. She's yeah. at you. <laughs> Whoa, Melanie. Tone it down. <laughs> it's early in the show. And I love how Peter wasn't in a suit when he left the, the house, but he was in a suit when he got there.
0: Well, he got dressed up for the...
5: And the contract's way the, longer now.
0: Oh, but he, yeah, he didn't have a copy of the contract when he left. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he produced it magically
5: that may be the longest dance school contract ever uh-huh yeah I wonder
0: what do plan a is yeah
5: and He's i love plan- how i love how peter just starts comes to realize as mike's reading the contract that something's wrong
0: yeah right well mike's always the one to look at the contract and explain to you what you've done wrong <laughs> he does it in several episodes I love this legal sequence, yeah. this courtroom, this demonic courtroom with the red lights and the pillars that disappear into the darkness. Mm-hmm. And don't we see this
5: exact it's courtroom again later uh, when Peter sells his soul? I, this, the same scene.
0: Uh, I don't think it's the same courtroom, but they might have used some of the same furniture. Mm. Um, the courtroom in uh, The Devil and Peter Tork is just the ballroom set. Um, but there's also the courtroom set in uh, Coffin Too Frequent. Mm. So they they do this sort of thing a couple of times in the show. Now, By the way, is... I think that picture that uh, Mickey held up was, was Hal March when he was younger.
5: I know this is supposed to be done. This is played for comedic effect, but do you guys think that this scene was written uh, sort of – to, to portray the writer's views or even the maybe even some of the monkey's views on the justice system. I mean the defense doesn't even really get a chance to talk. The, the prosecution goes on the attack and the judge knocks out both the defendant and the defense attorney. And Peter's ruled guilty without even getting
6: a chance to defend himself. That's an interesting theory, uh, Jeff.
0: What I love is that when um, Davey is questioning the witness, he says, tell me in my own words. Yes.
6: <laughs> another detail i really like during that se- sequence oh. is mike chewing on the wig yeah. yes
0: mickey introduces himself as george michael dolans in this scene mm. only yeah. first time and the only other time he called himself george was uh in head oh, actually wow. somebody else called him george in head but
5: yeah the mysterious voice called yeah him.
0: And that is the same set that was used in um, Monkey vs. Machine for J.B. Guggins' office.
6: Yes, I was going to ask you that, Melanie, because it looks very familiar. Must have been an office at
5: the studio, right?
0: Yeah. It'll show up again in uh, a Captain Crocodile huh. for a network meeting.
5: Mm-hmm. I love how Peter's in charge. Peter's the guy that knows how to dance, and Mickey's got to learn from him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, according to James Frawley's commentary track, the um, joke, you know, it's a man's bodge. I mean, job was something that Mike made up. Hmm. Um, It wasn't in the script. Uh, Frawley said that if Mike didn't think something was funny, he would change it Hmm. to make it funny for him. Oh, This is one of the few times that Mike gets to do something romantic on the show.
6: Yeah, I was going to I was going to
5: point that out. Well, (sighs) I, I was thinking that Mike seems a little out of character here, uh, yeah. and in 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 a little bit of a later scene too. Like this, this seems very aggressive uh, for Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's he. Well, we know. I don't think we ever really see him being forward with women that often. Well, oh, yeah,
0: it is. It is very rare. But, although you could make a case that she was the one who tempted him first. Mm. Nonetheless, later when he's chasing her around the office, it is a little uncomfortable. <laughs> So here's Davey being like, oh, I'm going to take charge. I know better than you three. So those three are all in trouble and he's going to fix it. Uh. Now, watch what Davey's doing here. According to Frawley's commentary track, there was no music when this was being filmed. That they had the camera on Davey and Frawley would just say, change, change, change. And he would have to change what he was doing, but there was no music. They added the music later.
5: Quite the performer,
0: Frawley said, and I quote, Davy danced his little tushy off.
5: <laughs> that would tire anybody out, <laughs> even Fred Astaire would be huffing and puffing after this act. <laughs> hey, at least Davy knows a whole bunch of different steps, yeah. <laughs> uh. It's a funny scene. I, I love the fact that he that um that Ronaldo's got a box on his desk with buttons on it that plays different music. <laughs> like this is something that he normally does to test people right. Quickly changing like that. Watch Davy. <laughs> Falls over a little bit. but you got to get you gotta hand it to Davey. Uh, he's really going over and above to to get this job and try to infiltrate.
0: yep. Uh, he got the dancing. job, fair enough. Now uh, take a look at the woman in the purple dress. Um, that's Elizabeth Camp, and she appears again in the episode um, Son of a Gypsy oh. as Madame Rantha. We don't know who this woman is, so theoretically that could be Madame Rantha getting some dance lessons in before her big party.
5: <laughs> <laughs> the monkey's universe expands.
0: Or contracts, depending on how you look at it.
5: <laughs> well, we don't often get a lot of continuity between episodes. They're, they're very standalone. Yeah. It would be That's, nice to think the universe is connected.
0: Yeah. No, I love uh, this bit.
5: Yeah, Especially, I do too. I think the costume's great and the makeup's great.
0: And just watch Karen James as as Miss Buntwell, her reaction. Oh, it's just so slow. Oh, God, it's delicious. I just love the way she reacts. <laughs> Into the ballroom and... <laughs> Time for your lesson. There's several different references to your first lesson, which I never really understood because clearly the guys had had some lessons already. They were practicing at the bat
6: Oh right.
5: I love that Davy's uniform is his, act, his regular clothes, just with a like a vest thrown over it and a bow tie. Yeah. <laughs> There's no official Ronaldo's uh, outfit unless you're one of the uh, the smoothies that well, show up the, later.
0: The vest matches Ronaldo's vest, so I guess they just give you a vest. Now the, the modern dance, the latest dance that Davy is about to teach them, is the Charleston, which is the hot dance craze of 1926.
5: <laughs> well, everything comes back.
0: <laughs> and here we see him doing, the the romp with all the dances in it.
5: This confused the heck out of me, back in the 80s when I was watching this uh, as also, a, as a young young child because I was I had already heard. The birds, bees, and the monkeys version of this track. And this version sounds markedly different. So I wasn't, I didn't know a lot about monkeys' lore back then. Mm-hmm. I only learned about it later. I didn't realize that the song had been re recorded for the album. So I was kind of confused as to why it sounded so different on the show.
0: Try to imagine you're a first generation fan watching this episode and trying to find that song. Yeah, Because it didn't come out until, a couple, what, a year or two later?
5: Yeah, there are a few songs in the show that were yeah. that way, and some songs didn't even come out at all, like mm-hmm. All the King's Horses. I mean, that didn't show up right. until, what, Missing Links? Mm-hmm.
0: And speaking of Missing Links, that's a great segue because this song was substituted um, for the Saturday Morning reruns with If You Have the Time. Oh, wow. Which didn't come out until Missing Links. So that's another song that viewers mm-hmm. would have been confused about. I, I love know. watching Mike. Mike is not having fun on this day. Mm-mm. He is absolutely not having fun.
5: <laughs> no, he keeps getting twisted up. <laughs> um,
0: they filmed two romps at the same time. This and the uh, anti-Griselda romp from Captain Crocodile were both filmed at the same time. The, they used the same sets, the same costumes, the same um, concepts. But they just miniaturized the, the dances and had the children chasing them around. Um, but the two episodes were filmed back to back and they saved a whole bunch of time by just filming the shots for both romps at the same time.
4: It's hmm. very interesting.
5: Now, do you guys think if this, if this was a TV show that was made today, that some of these dances would be considered possibly offensive or wouldn't make the show at all like the Mexican hat dance and the Native American yeah. dance, I think even it, the Hawaiian dance here with the hula skirts, the grass skirts
0: it it's it's a sensitive area certainly um particularly the the indian dance with the uh, toy tom-toms and the snow but Mike yeah just this, once again, this year totally dancing around
5: happened. the fire with the the yeah. headdresses on the faux headdresses mm-hmm. yeah it was a different time back then
0: yeah this is how i knew that captain crocodile was on at the same time is because they're wearing the same t-shirts in the captain crocodile romp oh, good catch. Um, in addition to all the other and there, there's a joke here saying you know hey let's do it again and Davy says are you kidding you know how much those sets and costumes cost and that's get it because they actually did do it again and they saved some money on the sets and costumes by doing both at the same time Melinda <laughs> Melinda Gildart pointed that out to us
5: oh good on you Melinda <laughs> and I love this fourth wall break here oh
0: god it's the most magnificent fourth wall break ever
5: yeah, this is goes. spectacular. So you got a guy with a handheld camera, I guess. Or is that – you think he's on a dolly, Craig?
6: No, nah, it's bouncing around too much. He's
5: so he's following Mickey into a fake writer's room. And I think this is another one of those scenes that probably wouldn't happen today.
0: Well, they probably wouldn't use Chinese. Just can't type right in.
5: Chinese with a slave science. driver in the background a with a whip driver, in his hand? Yes. Yeah, so you've got a- these these Asian uh, writers, old Asian writers with a with a uh, guy, a slave driver, uh, in the background. And here's again, I wonder if this is one of the things the writers kind of threw in there to say, uh, you know, th- to show the audience their uh, their point of view on writing for network television.
0: How hard they're working.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I love the the fact that that Mickey told them that their ideas were pretty good, and then he gets back to the gang, <laughs>
0: throws it away.
6: Right. Yes. <laughs> Uh, that money is the root of
5: all evil. Uh, Once again, in the background is Davey's always the view.
0: Davey's the one who's got the idea, he knows what to do. Little bit little joke. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> so, he's he's running the scam. He's telling people what, where to go and what to do and arranging everything. So, he's definitely the problem solver in this episode.
5: Here's that awkward Mike scene starting up.
0: Yeah, he's kind of yeah. bored right now.
5: Yeah, he's kind of gazing off into nowhere until Davy I... calls him back to reality and reminds <laughs> him of the plan.
0: Oh yeah,
5: <laughs> I'm supposed to be uh, wooing this woman, who is who who theoretically could be a, a good ten fifteen years older than Mike. Yeah, I mean they look they look a little bit far apart in the years. I wonder how old she was. No idea. Hmm.
0: But uh it gets a little uncomfortable when he starts chasing her around the office, which hasn't started yet, but here's Davy once again running the scam.
5: Now could you guys imagine what the casting call for extras for this episode must have been like? <laughs> you know, looking for ten to fifteen old ladies for a television sitcom.
0: They're not that old. They're just kind of dowdy, except for the one woman in the blue dress that everyone thought was Betty Nesmith Graham and isn't. Uh, <laughs> oh. There's the second time that Peter's appeared in a dress in this show. Um, never again.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Just the, that one time and in Monkey versus Machine.
6: You know what clicked with me this episode in terms of uh, Peter's performance? It's, I noticed a, comp- uh, a similarity between Peter and um, Stan Laurel from uh, Laurel and Hardy. Do you guys oh. see that? Hmm. <laughs> Especially um, if you remember, like March of the Wooden Soldiers, where um, he's he's in drag and he actually gets married and he's crying. Um, oh. It was. I just noticed <laughs> something in Peter's <laughs> performance that, for the first time, it made me think of of Stan Laurel.
0: Interesting.
6: <laughs> yeah. I
5: wonder what that picture behind her head is.
6: Looks like. <laughs> Looks like just see. a shot from a dance competition.
0: <laughs> hmm.
6: I don't
5: know those look like pretty old ladies to me, Melanie. Oh,
0: okay.
5: And Mickey and Drag. Yeah. <laughs> Bad drag. Yeah, that's pretty rough. But you notice <laughs> the, a couple you know, two or three or four of the ladies filter out with each of the um with each of the gags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But by the time uh Ronaldo shows up, the room is full again. And there's well, still you know, a huge amount of people it, in
0: It'll be full of suckers all day. <laughs> Wasn't that what we were promised? Suckers all day?
5: (laughs) That's true. As Mickey's ushering them all out, it seems like they turn around and come back in. because
0: The dancing smoothies. Yeah. You wonder where they've been this whole episode, but I guess they keep them in reserve.
5: Well, they're all former students.
0: (laughs) For the school that's been there for a week. (laughs) I I think it's a good schmoezer. Yeah. He's
5: great in this episode. It's fantastic.
0: You would never know that he was a former game show host.
5: <laughs> no, he's got pretty good comedic timing. to Be honest. I mean, yeah. I would have thought he's he he'd done a lot of uh, comedy television before. Well, this. he
0: was he was a stand-up comic before he uh, worked oh, on radio before he did it. the the game show.
5: That explains it because he's got he's got great visual mannerisms.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there we have the dancing smoothies, who are notice all the same height.
5: Yes, exactly. I wondered about this because they're all the same height, yet the monkeys steal their outfits. And whose outfit does Davy wear?
0: Exactly. Because
5: <laughs> you would think Davy would be swimming in those clothes.
0: <laughs> I wonder if they know any other moves besides that arm raising, foot stomping move.
5: Well, they're all we ever see Spanish they dancers. Yeah. They're all Spanish dancers.
0: They so keep doing that how- same. Rare to see the monkeys pull something where they actually use guns, but in this that's episode, what I was going to say. Do. That
5: I was going to say that. To yeah. you man. How often do we see them brandish pistols like that? Yeah,
0: it's a stickup.
5: Is this is that meant to mean the monkeys carry guns with them? Are they are they do they have carry permits?
0: No, they conjured them.
5: Oh, it's monkey magic.
0: That's right. They probably they're probably starter pistols. But
5: <laughs> <laughs> that was a little plug there, man.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
5: And romp number two. Yep. One of the boilerplate songs.
0: <laughs> Four wow. episodes in a row, this is number two.
5: Yep. I love that part the, a little bit earlier where the monkeys are scheming to, to about what to do, and they're saying rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb over and yep. over, over
0: again. They did That's that a be-
5: great word to use for that.
0: They did that previously in uh, Friendly Neighborhood Kidnappers, and I believe they'll do it at least one more time in the course of the series. That is, I'm told, what extras say in the background of a scene. Oh, really? They're supposed to be murmuring or speaking quietly. Oh. It comes across well on camera for some reason. Hmm. Interesting. So, uh, Frawley described this uh, romp saying that um, a lot of people on one set with a handheld camera and two hours to shoot. Wow. He said he basically just got a lot of shots, came up with a lot of stuff, and gave it to the editors and let them put it together.
5: I guess the smoothies weren't tied up very well.
0: (laughs) No. It's funnier to have them there in their long johns than to not have them, I guess. Adds to the chaos.
5: Do you think I mean, do you think this is kind of a rarity for monkeys episode where they have the the main, quote unquote, villain of the episode doing something really endearing near the end, like dancing with a puppy?
0: Oh, the puppy's adorable.
5: <laughs> I know. It's the beach ball. Yeah. But, you know, Ronaldo's he's a he's a he's a bad guy. He's been ripping all these people off. Yeah. But yet he's having this emotional connection with this puppy, mm-hmm. which I thought was it was almost like they were humanizing him a little bit.
0: And then another thing that's weird is that that there's no real resolution to this romp other than they just annoy everybody.
5: <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, now, now, do you think this Mickey winding Peter up was uh, an, a very early statement on, I, I guess the, the artificiality of the group? <laughs> do you think, cause they, they were they later on during the head times and later on than that, they were kind of embracing that.
0: Well, uh, they did wind up man for 33 and a third. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, this is really early on. They filmed this in September of 66. The show had only been on for a month.
5: Mm, Yeah, probably not plausible then.
0: Yeah, so here's the closest they come to defeating the villain is wrapping him up in his sign.
5: Yeah, well, Ronaldo kind of gives up pretty easily in comparison to prior villains. But, I mean, his scam wasn't that strong.
0: No. Yeah.
5: And I love the just the presence of the monkeys makes him kind of go into a panic attack.
0: <laughs> right. They want their lessons. <laughs> uh. Uh, in a moment, they're going to start pulling contracts out of a, a drawer of a filing cabinet. And if you watch carefully towards the end of that sequence, Davy punches Mickey in the face. Um, what happens is he's tearing something in half. And when the paper gives, his arm just... Pops forward and manages to hit Mickey right in the face. Watch for that.
5: I didn't even pick up on that. I'm gonna have to watch for that now.
0: Somebody's got to make a a, a gif of that because it's it happens so fast. So watch watch Davy and Mickey. Um, But yeah, they got a lot of papers to tear up.
5: Watching, watching very closely. Here comes,
0: here comes. Oh, look
5: at that! I'll be Mickey (laughs) recovers well. He did punch him in the face. (laughs) Wow! <laughs> Jeez,
0: it's a huh. dangerous job.
5: Yeah, I guess so. Those, those, uh, those—that's physical acting.
0: Yeah. Well there Another, we go. another
5: episode over.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a there's an error in the credits. Um, they got the name of one of the songs wrong. Um, it says, "I'll be back on my feet again."
3: Oh,
4: interesting. Other than that,
0: I have nothing to point out on their late credits.
4: (laughs)
6: Well, we um, are going to do what we always do at the end of these episodes, and we're going to pick our most valuable monkey. And I think I am going to go first this time. And my most valuable monkey pick for this episode is Davey. And I think um, there's a couple reasons. First of all, that dance um, scene where he's auditioning uh, for the instructor position is just so inspired. And then also the fact that it kind of um gave davy a little bit more to do than he normally does um melanie
0: he danced his little tushy off (laughs) that's davy for me too
6: all right and jeff uh we have a consensus davy all around oh wow okay so uh listeners um Please feel free to share your most valuable monkey for this episode and any previous episodes over on our Facebook group. And I guess if we don't have anything else to say, guys, um, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's Monkey's Color Cast. I'm your announcer, Ghosty Timmers. Now, back to the show.
2: And we'd like to thank Melanie Mitchell, Craig Cohen, and Jeff Hewlett for once again providing us a fantastic Monkey's Color Cast commentary. We'd also like to thank our voiceover man, Ghosty Timmers, David Wills. We'd also like to thank Michael Lynch for giving us some bumper music that you hear at the beginning of each episode of Zilch. We look forward to having him on soon. Yay! And we'd like to thank Melinda Gildart for doing the opening of our episode. And we do dedicate this episode to Prince. He was a... Personal musical hero of mine. Mine too. We'd also like to thank Derek Lewis, one of the dancing smoothies. I just love calling people the dancing smoothies.
1: Oh, I know. I loved over the last couple of weeks just like going down my to-do list for life, and you know, in between like get milk and work on dissertation drafts, is like scheduled schedule recording time with dancing smoothie. I mean, it's <laughs> that's my life these days, and I gotta love it. And thank you all, Zilch listeners, for keeping us going because you're who we do this for. And Every if you think it sounds fun on your end, we are having every bit of that fun putting this together for y'all. And we're just thrilled to be able to do this.
2: And it's great to be part of this very cool Monkeys community. We'd like to thank all of our listeners. You know, I, I have one question, Sarah. Do you think that we should get Vest so we could be like Zilch smoothies?
1: That's not a bad idea because everybody has Zilch t-shirts now. If you don't, designs by designsbyken.redbubble.com. But... Yes, but yeah, we need some sort of like zilch team. Yeah, but I'm liking this, like the the silk vests. Yeah, this could work.
2: So whether you're a dancing smoothie or a zilch smoothie, or or maybe you're a monkey who stole some dance smoothies clothes and left them in their underwear, hit us up on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter at zilchcast. You can email us at zilchmonkeys, one word, zilchmonkeys at gmail.com. We will see you on Facebook. Catch you on the next episode of Zilch, a Monkey's podcast.
0: Bye. Bye, everybody. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit Monkey's audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to
4: the Monkees or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you
0: enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.
2: Uh, ta-ta-ta, ta-ta-ta. Filch Nation,
1: this is what it actually sounds like when we record these things. Alright. Profound.
2: Alright, and I think that's all we need.
1: Wow, that was anticlimactic.
2: Well... It all is, man.
3: That's true.